Well, this morning we are returning to our Lenten series that we began last time, and it's a series where we're considering particular practices or habits of the Christian life. If you were with us last time, you'll recall that we looked at the habit of corporate worship. That leads us this morning to the habit of hearing and doing God's Word. And to get us started, I want us to read from James chapter 1 and verses 19 to 27. Let us now hear God's Word. James writes, Know then, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Well, before we jump into this passage, let me begin by stating the overall goal of James. It's simply this, our growth in Christ-likeness. As Christians, we confess that the one Christ is both truly God and truly human. Therefore, for us, growth in Christ-likeness means becoming the human beings God always desired us to be. For from eternity, God the Father purposed to create humans in the image of His eternal image, the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means the goal of James is in accordance with God's goal, that we would look like Jesus, who Himself is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And one day, all who belong to Jesus will also be perfect and complete, and lacking in nothing. But until then, God in His grace and by His Spirit has put His children into a growth process of becoming more and more like His Son. And I mention this because central to our growth in Christ's likeness is hearing and doing God's Word. We won't grow. We can't grow in the Christian life if we're not rightly related to God's Word. And to think otherwise means we're deceived. Deceived by the most dangerous form of deception, which is self-deception. Notice how James speaks about this in verse 23. He writes, if we're only hearers of God's Word, but not doers of God's Word, then we're deceiving ourselves. Which means when it comes to God's Word, It's possible for us to deceive our hearts into believing that we're rightly related to it when in reality we're far from it. So here's the question for this sermon. 
Are we, are you, rightly related to God's Word? And to help us answer this truthfully, this question truthfully, James focuses our attention on three main things. And the first thing is this. A relationship with God's Word begins with the obvious, hearing it. Verse 19, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Now, it's easy to read these words as primarily referring to our relationships with other people. That in our relationships, we should listen more and speak less. That we should remain calm instead of flying into a rage. And that's certainly true. And I do think James has this in mind, as we'll see. But first and foremost, he has in mind our relationship with God's Word. For contextually, everything James says from verse 18 all the way down to verse 27 is centered on God's Word. Look back at verse 18, which we didn't read. How did God bring us into the Christian life according to this verse? By His Word of truth. Look at verse 21. How can we get rid of all the filth and wickedness in our lives? Well, only by God's implanted Word. You see, the context of this entire passage dictates that what James is primarily concerned with, what he's primarily referring to in verse 19, isn't our relationship to others, but our relationship to God and His Word. And the first thing James says about our relationship to God's Word is that we're to hear it. We're to be quick to hear God's Word. We're to be eager to hear it. And we're to be attentive when it speaks. As God's redeemed children, we're to be ready and willing to listen to His voice as it comes in the Scriptures. But that's where the danger of deception comes in. It's possible to place ourselves in the realm of God's Word, whether it be in our daily reading of it, our weekly study of it, or even in our sitting under it in corporate worship and yet not truly hear it. To hear it in such a way that we're changed by it. Put another way, it's, it's possible to be informed, but not transformed by the Scriptures. To be informed in our heads, but not be transformed in our hearts and in our hands. And, and because this is so, we're to be diligent in cultivating a spirit that's quick to hear God's Word. That in turn is slow to speak our opinions about it. And certainly to be slow to make excuses for not obeying it. A spirit that's slow to get angry or frustrated when God's Word convicts and corrects us for the many ways that we live contrary to it. So let me ask you, are you rightly related to God's Word? Well, one of the ways that we'll know we are is in how we do relate to others. Because yes, James is, all the, although he's first and foremost concerned with our relationship to God's Word, he also has in mind our relationship to other people. In other words, if in our relationship to others, if we're slow to, to hear them and quick to speak, then don't be surprised if we do the same thing in relation to God's Word. If in your relationship with others you're slow to hear yet quick to get angry when others don't suit you, then don't be surprised if you're easily angered when God doesn't suit you or live up to your expectations. Put simply, if we struggle to listen well to others, 
we're also going to struggle to listen well to God. And it works both ways. For the only way we'll be slow to speak and slow to get angry with others is if we're quick to hear God's word. Listening intently to God's word must set the tone and the rhythm for how we relate to others. And you see, the main thing that James is doing here in the verse 19 is he's really giving us the dance steps to Christian maturity. Now, I'm no dancer. Matter of fact, years ago, my wife and I took ballroom dance lessons. I thought I would be a gracious husband and get this for my wife. I didn't get it for myself. I had no desire to do it, but I knew she wanted to do it. And she can tell you, I am no dancer. And the reason is I lack rhythm. I just don't have it in me. Whenever they were telling us you need to go fast at this part, I would go slow. When you were supposed to go slow, I would go very fast. I just couldn't get the rhythm down. And what James is recognizing, when it comes to God's Word, we struggle to get the rhythm down. And so he tells us the dance steps. What are the dance steps? Quick, slow, slow. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Think about it. How can we listen if we're always talking? How can we listen if we're always flying off the handle? For excessive speech and uncontrolled anger are incompatible with listening to God's Word. They're out of step with our growth in Christ. And therefore, neither excessive speech nor uncontrolled anger produce, as James says, the righteousness of God. They don't produce Christ likeness in our lives. For the way to Christ's likeness begins with an ear eager to hear God's Word. The only way we'll be slow to speak and slow to anger is if we're first quick to hear God's Word, to come to His Word not with open mouths, but with open ears. Is that the way you approach God's Word? Are you eager to hear it? And my friends, we won't be if we, if, if we think that God's Word is nothing more than a list of rules and regulations. If we think His Word is nothing more than a book of morality. Now, yes, God's Word has rules and it has morals, but more than anything else, God's written Word is about His eternal Word, the Lord Jesus Christ the one who embodies God's grace and forgiveness towards those who haven't kept the rules, who haven't lived morally in relation to God's holiness. We're to be quick to listen to God's written word because from it we come to know His eternal word, who in love became flesh and gave Himself for us, who Himself was quick to hear and obey His Father's voice for our salvation. So first of all, we're to be quick to hear God's Word. But then second, a relationship with God's Word means embracing it. True hearing leads to true embracing. And that's what James is teaching us in verse 21. And in so doing, he teaches us three things. First, he teaches us about what we're to embrace. We're to embrace what, according to verse 21? God's implanted Word. You see, when we believed in Jesus, we did so through God's Word, and specifically through God's Spirit implanting God's Word in our hearts. When we were converted to Christ, we not only heard God's Word, that is the Scriptures outwardly, 
We also heard them inwardly. So that in believing in God's word that was implanted in the depth of our being, we came to believe in Christ. The Spirit took God's word as it was preached outwardly and began to implant it in our hearts. And what James is saying is that just as we embraced God's word at the beginning of our Christian life, we're to go on embracing it throughout our Christian life. God planted the seed of his word when we first believed. And this seed isn't to remain dormant. No, it's to grow. It's to blossom as we receive and embrace God's word day by day. Second, James teaches us how we're to embrace God's word. He says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. James is a realist. He's a realist when it comes to the remaining depravity in our hearts, in the hearts of Christians. We're not yet perfect. We continually face a variety of inward sins, particular and personal sins that distort our growth in Christ. And interestingly, the language James uses here refers to the removal of earwax. In this case, the earwax is our sin. James says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put away all the earwax of our sin. Sin in whatever form clogs our ears from hearing God's word. And therefore, to embrace God's word requires daily repentance. It requires our acknowledging and turning away from all the stuff in our lives that's contrary to Christ. We can't really hear and embrace God's word if our ears, if our lives are clogged with continual and unrepentant sin. At the same time, we can't embrace God's word if we're arrogant, which is included in that filthiness and rampant wickedness. That's why James says that we're to embrace the implanted word with meekness. We're to embrace it in a posture of submission, in a posture of being under the word, rather than over the word. To come meekly to God's word means we come to it with an attitude that says, if you say so, I'll do so. You see, God's word doesn't come to us as mere advice. No, it comes to us as our authority. God is the author. He's the authority of, of our lives. Hence, we're to embrace rather than excuse ourselves from what he says from what he says concerning how we think with our minds, speak with our tongues, and conduct ourselves with our bodies. And oh, how contrary this is to the culture in which we live. We live in a culture where the only real authority, supposed authority, is ourselves. And in particular, our feelings. If it feels good, if it feels right, then do it. But for the Christian, although feelings remain an important part of our lives, they aren't our authority. No, God's word is our authority. And it's we're to come to it with meekness, with humility that prostrates ourselves before God and his word. So we have the what, we have the how, and then the third thing he teaches us in verse 21 is why we're to embrace God's word. What's our motivation? James tells us at the end of the verse, because it's able to save our souls. And here James isn't simply referring to that inner part of our being. No, he's referring to the whole of our being, body and soul. For God's in the business of saving not just a part, 
but the whole. He's concerned with total salvation, a salvation that's begun and that will one day be completed on the great day when we see Jesus face to face. And what James is saying here is that central to our salvation, to our becoming everything God's destined and desires us to be, is His Word. His Word that's able to transform us thoroughly. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to grow in Christ's likeness? Then God's way forward is through hearing and embracing God's Word. That brings us thirdly to how our relationship with God's Word actually means doing it. As James says in verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, you'll be deluded if you think all you have to do in relation to God's Word is hear it. No true hearing and embracing leads to doing to actually living out God's Word in our lives. And therefore, if we, don't, if we think we don't have to act on God's Word, if we don't have to obey it, then we're self-deceived. We're like the person who James describes in verses 23 and 24, the person who looks into a mirror and then immediately forgets what he looks like once he's turned away. Now, I'd assume that each of us looked in the mirror this morning before we came to church. Why did we do it? Well, we wanted to make sure that things were in place. We wanted to look presentable for the public. But imagine this morning, before you came to church, that you looked in the mirror and you saw that you had something hanging out of your nose. We've already talked about earwax, so we might as well throw boogers in there as well. In the mirror, you see it there. You know it's there. Yet you do nothing about it. You intentionally forget about it, and then you come to church where you're greeting everyone with this thing hanging out of your nose. Now, more than likely, this wouldn't happen. For in the mirror, if you saw it, what would you do? You'd fix it. And that's the point. God's Word is like a mirror that shows us what's wrong and what needs to be changed. And yet so often we see it, we realize it, but then we walk away and act like we're fine. We hear it, but we don't act on it. Verse 23, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. My friends, God's word addresses us as a congregation, but also personally. It challenges us. It shows us what needs to change, change what's harmful to us, which is sin, what's dehumanizing to our lives. And what do we do? Well, we so often turn away and forget, or better, we ignore. We ignore what God says to us and about us. And in so doing, we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, we're fine, we're okay, but we're not. And that's why we must respond. We must respond to God's perfect law that gives liberty. Notice that's how James describes God's word in verse 25. For God's word is his perfect law, his law of liberty. Now, we normally don't put those two things together, do we? To us, law means fetters, not freedom. Rules mean limitation, not liberty. Commands seem restricting and not releasing. But what James is saying is that the only way that we'll know true freedom is in hearing and embracing and doing God's Word. And what is this true freedom? Well, it's not living according to our natural desires, which are sinful, 
No, it's living according to God's desires. It's living in line with His creational design for our lives, His design that's spelled out for us in His Word. And therefore, to live contrary to God's Word is actually enslaving. But to hear it, to embrace it, and to do it is actually freedom. For only by His perfect law can we grow up, again, in Christ's likeness, which according to James, all the way back in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 1, is to become perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And because this is so, we're to continually look into God's Word. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, who keeps on looking, who keeps on listening, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. There's a promise there. He'll be blessed in his doing, blessed by God's freedom that's at work making us into the people he longs for us to be, a people who look like Jesus, the truly free human being, the one who in freedom, think about Jesus, truly free. And what did he do with his freedom? He willingly obeyed and laid down his life for our redemption so that we might share in his free and abundant and blessed life now and forever. So we are to hear God's word. We're to embrace God's word. We're to do God's word. And speaking of doing God's word, that's where James ends this passage in verses 26 and 27. He actually gives us three points of application. Three points concerning what it needs to change in our lives in response to hearing and embracing God's word. In response to God's word, in response to being children of our heavenly father, There are three particular areas that James focuses on. Those areas being how we use our tongues, how we relate to the afflicted, and how we relate to a world that's opposed to Christ. In other words, responding to God's word is to lead us to curb our tongue, care for the weak, and no longer be conformed to the manners and mindset of this world. Three tangible things that are to happen in response to hearing and embracing God's Word. And why? Well, because by grace, we belong to the family of the Father. We belong to the family of the Father. And because we belong to His family, there's to be a family likeness in the children. You see how that works? There's to be a family likeness between the Father and His children. You see, our Father never simply wags His tongue. He never speaks just to speak. No, he always uses his words intentionally and for the purpose of building up and not tearing down. And because we belong to the Father in Christ, we're to learn to do the same. We're to listen more than we talk, whether that be literal talk or virtual talk. Okay, we get both, right? Literal talk and virtual talk. My friends, some of us never shut up on social media. Things we'd never say to a person face-to-face, we spew on Facebook. We're quick to post our opinions, to blast the opposition, and to say whatever comes to mind. We don't bridle our words. And how can we if we're not, first of all, submitted to the Word of God? Because here's the reality. The world doesn't need our opinions. No, it needs God's Word. 
It needs people who've given themselves to God's Word and who by His grace are living out His Word in their speech as well as their action. Speech that honors God and not ourselves. Speech that builds others up rather than tears them down. At the same time, our Father cares for the helpless. He cares for the have-nots of the world, such as widows and orphans. We could add refugees and the homeless. We we belong to a God who cared for us in our helplessness, who loved us even when we were enemies. And because we belong to Him, we're to cultivate, again, by His grace, by His Word and Spirit, we're to cultivate a lifestyle of care toward the needy. We're to serve them rather than berate them. We're to speak and show them God's Word, His compassionate Word that cares and provides for the weak of the world. And then finally, because our Father is holy and unstained by sin, we're no longer to be shaped by the world, which itself is bent on sin and selfishness. Rather, we're to be shaped by God's Word. How? Well, by being here this morning, by taking up the Word day by day, and listening to it, hearing it, but also embracing it again, and by learning to do it. We're to relate to God's Word as our authority, as the authority in our lives that gives shape to our lives. We're to give ourselves to God's Word because only as we do will the world begin to see the family likeness. Our resemblance to the Father, our resemblance to Christ, to Christ who came into this world not to give us a worthless religion. If that's what He did, He's not worth following. But he didn't come into the world to give us a worthless religion. No, he came into the world to give us true and lasting life. Life that's to be on display in men and women and in churches that are rightly related to God's Word. Who hear it as our life. Who embrace it as our all. And who do it to the glory of the Father and the good of others in the name of Jesus. May we be a people who are giving ourselves to God's Word, rightly related to it, as it's built up in us and spoken by us with our words as well as our actions. Let us pray. Our great Father, we thank you for your Word. We pray that we would be ones who do indeed hear it, embrace it, and do it for your name's sake. Amen.